Hello and welcome to the Gig Stories podcast, coming to you from another dimension, or at least Chris looks like he's in another dimension, right? Every time we join this Zoom, Chris has discovered something new, a new something on Zoom, and and today you've worked out how to blur the background or something, or you look like you're falling in space or in a TARDIS, you're like... You're a computer magician. Yeah, I just like to mix it up. Um, although I, I, I did have it blurred when we recorded this this interview. Um, you maybe just did didn't you? notice, or maybe your eyes were glasses. blurred. Yeah, yeah I exactly. I had my glasses on, my contacts. Yeah, but I like to mix it up. I maybe have a desert island one one week, or I'm on the hills overlooking the Golden Gate Bridge the next, or in space. Do not worry, listener, though. He hasn't changed too much. He's still wearing a jumper I am. <laughs> so do not panic all is well with the world the, it seems like the world is falling apart but until chris payne is not wearing a jumper there is no need to panic yeah so i'm like that's... the canary down the mine so have you been doing young man Right, yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, i've been putting on my other hat so part-time podcaster full-time or mainly full-time photographer but um sometime theater producer so i've been putting up a massive geodesic dome um which brilliant yeah so oh sorry that's my dog just walking in yeah don't mind me. i love that i love that i want scouty to be part of this yeah scouty's part of the gig stories family go on scouty Oh, Scouty's gone. Scouty's like, it's his Scouty's, yeah. he's, he's looking out the window. We call it his cinema. He's just um, looking out the window. I love that. Yeah. So just, just tell us, I know, you know, in fact, I don't care what kind of podcast this is. Tell us about the, the play that you are, you are part of. So um, the play is, uh, that I'm producing is directed and adapted by my wife, Colette. And it is the outdoor theatre adaptation of a book called The Lost Words, which was written by Robert McFarlane and illustrated by Jackie Morris. And it's about words of nature which were taken out of the children's dictionary because they weren't being used anymore. And so um, obviously the children's dictionary, it can't be as big as the normal dictionary because not all the words are necessary for for children and um so they they took out a load of nature words because they weren't being used and replaced them with things like chat room and broadband and you know lots of mainly technology words so it meant that words like magpie and wren and uh, acorn and conquer and you know words like that were taken out of the kids dictionary so rob wrote a load of well the poems but he calls them spells and the idea is that when you read them aloud these words will conjure the conjure the animals back um into the 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 minds of of children and yeah the 
the way that we're approaching it is that if you if you can't name and this is how Rob puts it as well is if you can't name them how can you love them how can you protect them and look after them so um, so yeah so this dome is a giant uh, it's going to be a giant goldfinch nest and we're going to be welcoming loads of school groups to come and uh, yeah watch our show and do a kind of woodland trail and what about us public when can us public come and see yes um, it will be possible it's at Bolton School um in okay. Bolton and uh I think the first two weeks are given over to school groups maybe even the first three weeks um but certainly I will be publicizing the public performances um on Twitter and all around um but and that will be towards the middle of July and then also oh. we're going to be doing different um performances uh, in various places across the northwest over 2022 so yeah all very exciting amazing yeah. and we'll we'll mention it on our social media on geek stories uh social media as well as our uh, our personal accounts mm. mine and chris's but no it's great it's great i'm looking forward to it yeah i am it's because it's been um, it's been a long time because we we did it um we did it first in 2018 it was a far smaller show in terms of we, did, we didn't have a dome. Um, so it was more like a kind of promenade uh, performance. But we did it at various festivals. So we did it, we premiered it at Timber Festival, um, which uh, the lineup this year looks fantastic, actually. So Amazing. check out Timber Festival. The Orioles are playing. Just saw that Robin Richards has been um, announced. So Robin Richards from uh, Dutch Uncles. Uh, oh, yes. But- they always have, uh, and his he's he's doing some really interesting stuff at the moment as well. Oh, well, always is basically. Um, so we did it at Timber, we did it at Just So Festival. Uh, we actually did a weekend at Latitude, which was uh, pretty crazy. And uh, which yeah. uh, that is amazing. Mm, yeah. So yeah, all over the place. Uh, but then it stopped, and we had about at least five weeks of performances that were cancelled because of COVID. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a bit of a nightmare and I've not been able to listen to the, al- there's an album that's uh, that accompanies the Lost Words book, which has been recorded and devised and created by all these amazing folk musicians like Chris Drever and um, Karine Polwart and Seku Keita and yeah, some amazing folk but I've not been able to listen to it because it was just getting me too annoyed because <laughs> I knew she that, couldn't do it well we couldn't do it and we didn't know if we were going to be able to do it again because a, a show like this takes a lot of rehearsal so it, and that's where a lot of the cost comes but um through the wonderful Arts Council England um we we got funding for this next stage of it so we have been able to you're back a, we're back on the road like the Blues Brothers I love it. I love it. No, do do look out for it, uh, ladies and gents, boys and girls. We shall um, mention it on our social media. Is it, it? I saw it, you know, the first time, and it was is just beautiful. It was a lovely. Oh, I forget. Yeah, you saw it done a massey, didn't you? It was a, a lovely time, and mm-hmm. yeah, you, you should go get there. So related to work, I I was at a gig on the weekend. No, I was working a gig. I, I saw a picture of you in your uniform. <laughs> yes, I was security at a gig. <laughs> I was Mr. Tumble security listener. Yeah. 
Did he have so, everyone working in makeup? Yeah, yes, yes. So I I stage slash floor managed uh, Mr. Tumble and the BBC Philharmonic Orchestra at Bridgewater Hall in Manchester. And um, I did have a walk on part where when Mr. Tumble entered to the theme tune from Rocky, <laughs> flying higher. Let me tell you, that has never sounded so intense as when a live 85-piece orchestra are playing it. I, was, I thought you I thought you were going to say 85 stone clown no. <laughs> ran on. But he's not that heavy. Honestly, me and me and Mr. Tumble. I stood to the other side of the doors at the back, ready to make an entrance. And I was just like his, his tumble security, you know, which is why I had the bow tie and the red nose. And, and um, honestly, we both just looked at each other, looked at each other and, st- and just started peeing ourselves laughing because the brass, sec- honestly, the orchestra just sounded incredible from start to finish. And, and he just looked at me, he was like, this, I mean, this is like farcical. It was so funny that we were yeah. going to walk through Bridgewater Hall. He's Mr. Tumble. I'm in security to an 85-piece orchestra playing the theme from Rocky. It was just <laughs> amazing. But what was lovely, and, and, and I mean this in a genuine way, because obviously it's nothing to do with me, but when we had a couple of days, we only had two days rehearsal with the, with the orchestra. Usually they play to about an audience of 400, they said. And we did two shows in the day. Both shows were a sellout in Bridgewater Hall, 1,800 seats oh in gosh. each show. <laughs> and they were just like, what is this? What yeah. is this all about? And it was, it was the most beautiful concert and such a great way to introduce children to orchestral music. Because mm. throughout, you had like Swan by Sanson. Um, you had... Yolanda from uh, Yolanda's Band Jam, which is a CBeebies program. And she has a band and she plays saxophone and she played the best Twinkle Twinkle Little Star medley you've ever heard that included a salsa version, a jazz version, and her saxophone playing. It was just incredible. It was just beautiful. We had the William Tell Overture obviously where Justin was chasing a, a, a pantomime horse, uh, you know, back and forth across the stage. And then Mr. Tumble conducted the orchestra himself to the William Tell Overture. And it, it was going too fast. It was too slow. It was all over the place. It was brilliant. And I was genuinely in tears laughing. It was, yeah. it was such a great, a great moment and reminded me of, uh, of being a child and my mum taking me to sort of, fun classical concerts uh, at St. David's Hall. And it's, a, it's such a great um, gateway to live music for kids. And they were just, obviously they were all in awe of Mr. Tumble, but they, they just loved the music and clapping along. And it, it was just, yeah, what a, what a, what a gig. It was my gig of the year, Chris. Gig of the yeah, year. So I, I don't know how anyone's going to top that really. <laughs> well, the only way to top it is by interviewing an absolute beaut of a guest. And, and I think we've got just the guest for you today. What, what a chat, eh, Chris? Oh, yeah. And, you know, apologies again for the delay in getting this out. It was supposed to go out last week, at, at least last week. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway. our, our fault. It has just been 
crazy crazy what we've already yeah. explained explained about me building this bloody dome yeah absolutely and i you know i'm having to look after mr tumble you know yeah absolutely <laughs> so apologies for the delay but um sarah blackwood hey she was wicked dubstar what and and you know uh, of course other incarnations but dubstar was just what a fantastic music it just took me right back to the 90s listening to uh, their albums again and stars i know it's predictable to say but i have listened to that over the years and danced to it in clubs on my own in the living room not on my own in clubs maybe it was i don't know on your own in the living room as well on my own in the living room on my own in the kitchen just <laughs> i still do it's one of my favorite songs ever it's just gorgeous yeah. and so it was great to have sarah and what a laugh she is hey absolute hoot absolute hoot and uh, you know we we could have talked forever we we did talk for quite a long time and i've edited very little out of this um yeah so uh, yeah I, I couldn't i couldn't take anything out really <laughs> so it's, it's quite a long one but you know listening to goes yeah yeah if you go in for a jog prepare for a long run <laughs> yeah just stick another another couple of k's on um, or have, have a gel or some jelly beans quickly get your lucas aid it, it was great and she was just it, it was so good of her to to give us so much time and you know there was a point where she kept apologizing to us for going on and i i was like no let's crack on because it was just great to chat to her and great that um dubstar have new music out so you know check yes. that out we'll we'll mention that too but for now sit back or Get your trainers on for a run and enjoy Sarah Blackwood. Indeed, hello and welcome to the singer of songs for Dubstar <laughs> Technique and client is Sarah Blackwood. How are you, Sarah? Hello, you all right? <laughs> I am doing all right, thank you. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. And um, it, it's great just being, uh, listening to Dubstar's music again and your voice, and especially with um, everything that's been going on recently with the LP. Um, does, does anyone say LP anymore? Chris, do you say LP? I just realized I said LP. I say a new record, a new disc. Yeah, record, yeah. Yeah, but LP is nice because it's kind of a definable thing, isn't it? No, it's true. It's true. And I was just thinking of, because all the memories I have from your songs and seeing you as Dubstar live, and, and I thought I need to start with the important stuff, and, and that's chocolate. Now, you're a very big <laughs> fan of chocolate, Sarah. I'm so very let's, big. Let's get straight into it. Faves, please. Top three favourites. I like dark chocolate. So when I'm trying to, when I'm trying to, so when I'm trying to be healthy, I have yeah. 80% lint dark chocolate. <laughs> you said that. I've bought high, high percentage cocoa, convincing myself that this was me it's having healthy. a health kit. That is so fun. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. I honestly, I've never told anyone that. There's one of your five a day. Being, yeah. I, I eat thought, it every day because, because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, um, 
very dark chocolate apparently um, has health benefits. So that's my excuse. Okay. So oh, that, yeah. that's all and I need to hear. Yeah, yeah, it's got magnesium in it, day. which is good for muscle repair and good for anxiety and stuff. So, you know, it's like, oh, yes, bring on the chocolate. And so that's, so that's the 80% lint. 80%. Is that what we're talking? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I, I, I bought my boyfriend a hot chocolate machine for Christmas. It's a smell. Oh, my gosh. And it's like this. It, 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 we put oat milk in it, and it heats the oat milk, and it turns it into a vortex, and then you pour in your chocolate. So we've got... Uh, we've got a range, eighty percent dark. We've also got seventy. I think we've got seventy-two, and that's really lovely. And um, so this seventy-two percent chocolate, and it just turns into this chocolate vortex, oh. and it just melts it all into the oat milk, and it's it's divine. And How... we've both piled, piled on the weight since Christmas. So. Well, I'm, sh- I'm sure John Peel was a big fan of chocolate vortex. Um... <laughs> <laughs> he used to play the records at the wrong speed. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Oh my gosh! How how are you? Well, I've—I'll be honest—I've not seen your boyfriend, so he could be a big blob on the sofa. But how are you both not just sort of blobbing out on the sofa, having those hot chocolates every day? <laughs> I have to That's drag ridiculous. him out for the jog. <laughs> what is your number one then, chocolate? Before we leave this non-music chat, I do like Om bars. So they do an, uh, a coconut one Om bars. Om How do you spell that? O M, and the packaging is really oh. beautiful. It's kind of like hand done, but it's not. It's and and so the graphics are really lovely, and oh, it's made that. with um, quite dark chocolate, but with coconut milk. And I've just noticed at the shop down the road that we do on bar buttons as well. So chocolate buttons made with. I'm oh going to seek these out. I've never heard yeah, of them. Yeah, they're no. serious. And I mean, they've got a whole range. They've got, but but the one particularly with coconut milk is absolutely divine. Are they, and I like booja booja as well. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think so. Are you are, are so, you vegan vegetarian? Because no. I know you're a bit of a bit of a health freak, aren't you? Well, I try. I try. I'm not adverse to the odd pizza either. I do like a curry. Of course. <laughs> 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 so, but it's balance, so, uh, isn't it? You know, you've got to, you've you got to balance. Right. You know. I, I find balance hard when it comes to chocolate, Sarah, but, you know. Well, I skip in the morning. I, I've got a skipping rope. I skip in the kitchen and I, like, do three to 4,000 revolutions on it with a skipping rope. And then I deserve my hot chocolate. That's it. That's the way to do it. What? You absolutely knacker yourself out and then you can have whatever you want. <laughs> I remember being on tour with this band called Covenant in Germany and I was skipping <laughs> at Soundcheck. This was about 10 years ago. And one, one of the band, he went cold water swimming. So before it was like really, really ph- phenomenally popular, he yeah. was cold water swimming. And uh, it was, it, in fact, it was longer than 10 years ago. It was, it was about 15 years ago. So it was pre-internet days. So he couldn't. Oh, so wow. so he was in in the in, you know he was in the office at, at, when we got to the venue, like googling places where he could go cold water swimming, and actually went there and and, and swam. And 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 then I I was skipping at soundcheck, and they recorded my BPM, my my the rhythm of my skips, and I think they sampled <laughs> it for a song. Or they, or they said they were going. To, they were probably just being polite, but you know. <laughs> you could give me all day, and I wouldn't. Song. I wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, you know. With a skipping rope, that'd take me forever. Jim, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna stick with what you just mentioned because I might forget later on. Things you do at sound check. That yeah. there's questions. 
what things what else would you do at soundcheck was that at that be did that become a thing throughout your sort of life career would you write soundcheck no. skip and then no when when i was before i sort of because i i was I, it's no secret i was i was a massive drinker and then when i stopped drinking i kind of you know i i swapped my alcohol for jogging and so I had to do a bit of cardio just to keep getting the endorphins going. So the skipping at soundcheck just became my little thing. So, and then I've, 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 but I used to do 12 minutes. Like now I do like 40 to, to, to sort of 50 minutes of skipping. That is a workout. Your, your arms must be absolutely, oh no, actually there'll be a technique, won't there? No, it's wrist, you kind of flick your wrists. Yeah. Um, and your calves don't get big either. But I did give myself plantar fasciitis which was the most unpleasant thing. I've that was another one of John Peel's favourite bands. As well. <laughs> <laughs> you could do this all night. You could do this all night. <laughs> so we, we did mention just a, a few minutes ago about, you know, new music. And, and I've got to say, it, we we will move on, I think, in our podcast sometime about talking about this pandemic, but it's still so fresh in our minds that one of the best things to come out of lockdown is hygiene strip. Oh, thank I just you. wanted just wanted to talk to you about that. What a what a great thing. How and how did that come about? Because where were you both sort of mentally? Were you even thinking about any kind of music, or or did you both pretty quickly go, "We're stuck in. I've got an idea. Right, let's do it." I think the thing was is about seeing a person that you least want to see when you look your worst, which is universal in itself, <laughs> but it was in the context of the pandemic. And I remember Chris, um, he got the title um, and it, 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 his daughter, had, I think his wife had taken his daughter shopping for a, a swimming costume. And Chris was like, what on earth is a hygiene strip? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, it, and, it, and he was like, and he, and he wrote it and it, it just something that just stuck in his, his mind and just went, oh yeah. And he wrote it down on a metro ticket that was in, in his pocket and put it in his pocket and then, you know, put it in an ashtray or not an ashtray. Like, a, you know, when you have like your, your, yeah. your thing for your keys that where you were. Your bowl of crap. I, yeah. I use glass ashtrays, which is why I said ashtrays. But yeah, Chris. <laughs> yeah. So we, so we put it in there and, you know, and, 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 and forgot about it. And then when we were doing the album, I think some of the songs were written and then, we started writing others because and, and because of the pandemic, Chris was literally thought that we were all going to die and his anxiety was raging out of control. And Hagee sent him just some little noodles of like 10 second snippets, just beautifully done like art forms in themselves as it would be if it's Stephen, you know, they yeah. just these 10, 15 second snippets of, 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 of miniature compositions. And he sent, sent them to Chris just to see if that could kickstart something in Chris. And it, Chris had heard one and then he went to the shop and as he went out, he saw the Metro ticket and hygiene strip. And then he went out and he queued in the, in the queue for the co-op. And then it just started happening in his mind and when he got home he played it on guitar and then sent it me and I was uh, when when it pinged through I was uh, I was mid curry on a Friday night because we had a little treat on a Friday night <laughs> and uh, I was mid curry mid poppadom and, and I played it and I was like whoa like really excited and, and yeah and so recorded it the next day so I love that so that was obviously the music then was 
obviously a real help for Chris. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It was absolute solace for him. Yeah. It, it was, it was a welcome distraction. The, 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 I mean, the thing, I think the thing was during, during lockdown, he, he was homeschooling the kids, his wife. Yeah was doing stuff for the NHS. So she was pretty stressed and busy and Chris kind of had to look after the entire family. And then when everybody went to bed, he started to make music. And luckily, you know, Hagee is quite a night owl as well. So they were, them two were on the phone for hours at night doing stuff. And then yeah. they send it me in the morning going, look what we've done at night, you know, so. So this, this album too then, how far back does this go then? When exactly were they writing this? Uh, well, we started... Some of the songs were already written, like Lighthouse was already written. Right, um, okay. But, li- but, but Chris literally had his, he, only, he was about to press send on the, on the, on the, on the train tickets to get to uh, Hagee's place in Hastings to start recording and lockdown happened. Oh, really? Okay. Oh my, yeah, so. And then when did, when did you get to do your vocals then? Did you have to wait, you know, as, as there's been is in the making? Did you, did you wait? Yeah, we waited, yeah. And then as soon as, so as soon as the first bit of lockdown was released, when, when, when the first restrictions were lifted. Oh, yes. Bombed it down to Hastings. And did that change the way that you um, yeah. dealt with the, with the vocals? Because I'm guessing, did you change melodies around and because you had more We'd, time? We, we, we kind of done all that before. So it was, right. so, you know, we were sending files to each other and Stephen had sent like little... Um, snippets on Facebook, like, what do you think of this? I've changed this. What do you think? You know, and so, so we sort of communicated that way over the phone. And yeah, and, and you, you know, what is it? We transfer was, yeah. And then, so when, so when we got, so when lockdown was lifted, I, I just bombed it straight down. I think we had two weeks and everything else was just put on hold. Um, and, and, and I mean, literally a song like Token, that wasn't even finished. So we were in the studio and, and, and I'd sing a verse and then we'd get Chris on the phone and go, how does it sound? And he'd be like, right, rewrite, you know, has anybody got any ideas? Oh, wow. so, so we were literally, so there's thousands of versions of, of, of token, like the verses where we just tweaked a line and then tweaked another line and then something didn't quite work. And then so, and then, and with hygiene strip, um, so that was, Oh, right. Yeah. So that was some of that was done. The workings out of the melody was done remotely because we change it, it steps up. It's really subtle, but it just yeah. steps up ever so slightly. And you don't really notice it until we had we had somebody um, trying to play it on them um, and, and, and they tweeted, you know, you, you buggers, you know, you, <laughs> you made it really difficult because there's little subtle chord they changes. They didn't realise until it. they started playing so, it. So I'd sing it and then Stephen would be like, can you sing it just a step up? I'd be like, okay. So I'd do that. And then, and yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. Near us. Yeah. A positive from this, because obviously we, we don't want to go back into that kind of situation, but you obviously, the three of you, you made it work then. So was there, was it just, as a one-off, was it just an interesting way of working? Did it? Do you feel like it maybe helped this particular album that process? Um, in some way, I think it did change the course of the album because I think Chris, his vision of it was going to be like very sort of like tears, quite mellow. We were both obsessed with Lana Del Rey's um, Norman fucking Rockefeller, 
yeah. and we were so we were obsessed with that album and um and I think Chris wanted it to be like that and then but the way that the pandemic happened it was easier to do things on synths and then Stephen Chris could ping it to Stephen and then Stephen could you know make it better in the way mm. that Stephen does with yeah it's funny you mentioned that Chris and this Chris and I we we both mentioned the song tears to each other today it is a it's a it's a lovely track absolutely lovely yeah. and the lana del rey thing now clicks now you said yeah. that Yorkshire's answer oh, to yeah. lana del rey <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lana del rey <laughs> so now now it's out there the album how how are you feeling and it and it's done really well hasn't it it's amazing i mean to see our little label that we run from like our respective living rooms to be up there against yeah. Sony and Domino and BMG. It's just like, wow. You must have been so chuffed. You must have been so, yeah. so chuffed. Yeah. It's just been, and just people, just hearing people, you know, because it's been our little secret for like two years, you know. Yeah. And, 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 and there's been times where Chris has just been like, I, we just, we've got to release it now, now. And like, that was last August. And it was like, no, we're just going to, you know, right. it's like we're testing people's patience. It's like, no, <laughs> no, love the tease, darling. And um, yeah, so it's, so, so it's just really lovely to finally get it into the world and just hearing it being appreciated. I'm guessing he's happy now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're going to take you right back um, to early memories of music. And so, what what was what was the music situation in your house as you were as you were growing up? Oh, my parents loved classical music. All right. So, I mean, I was talking to my dad about David Bowie, and he's like, "Who? What? <laughs> you didn't just say that, father? Honestly." Um, we, my parents they liked church as well, so I was sort of brought up on hymns. And, in fact, yeah. we were signed on a demo of me singing Jerusalem. <laughs> really? Think, what? Yeah. Wow. I think. Now that I would love to hear. <laughs> you should, oh, we've missed the FA Cup final. We need for 2023 Sarah Blackwood singing Jerusalem and Abide With Me at Wembley. <laughs> oh, Abide With Me as well. Yeah, I, 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 and my friend actually asked me to sing it at a wedding. And oh my God, that was the scariest gig I think I've ever done because I knew everybody and, the, and I could see everybody staring at me. And it was the, like, you know, it was church. So it was quite tiny, you know, and I could see everybody's eyeballs and my knees just went to jelly. And just, <laughs> how, how recent was that? Or, or what time like, was, oh, it this? was It was a long way. It was a long time ago. It must have been about 1998, something like that. Right. That must have felt strange because you were obviously used to a lot of different gigs. And then yeah. you're... Well, normally you can't see anybody because the lights are like right in your eyes. <laughs> yes. and you just see the front two rows and that's it, you know, and it's like, fine, you know. But with church, I knew every single person in there. And I was just like, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Did you go to sort of classical concerts? Is that Was that your sort of first live music outing? I went to see the ballet. I used to go to, my mum used to take me to see the ballet a lot, which I adored. I loved Swan Lake and Capalia. I remember seeing the Firebird and that really scared me. I was like, I just remember all these like red costumes and that, yeah, that, that scared me. But it was, yeah, it was, I, I can't remember. I, I saw more, but I can't remember. And, and we always used to sit in the gods 
which surprises me now because I've got a terrible fear of heights now. But when you're a kid, you just... That, that's so you. funny. I, I know my sister will be listening. Bless her. My sister, I've got loads of siblings, but my one sister listens to this podcast and um, she'll be smiling because my mum used to do the same. So my first, oh, again, really? it was St. at all. So Capalia yeah. was my first ballet. Oh. And it was always, we were always in the gods. And, and for yeah. the classical concerts, we were either in the gods or we were in the choir stalls if they were open because you were behind the orchestra and they were even cheaper yeah. tickets than the gods, <laughs> which I always found really, really disturbing because everyone could see us. And it was like, everyone look at the cheap seats. And it was... <laughs> 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 it, was a bit, it was a bit strange that but oh no I love that your uh, I love that your parents uh, your parents did that so before we ask you about your actual first gig then my my interest here is because I I have a very similar upbringing when did you start bringing your own music into the house so when did you start listening to I don't know Madonna or Whitney whatever it was Oh, right. Well, I didn't get a record player until quite late. So I must have been about 14 when I got my own record player in my, my room. But I used to have a cassette player. So were you just taping the charts up until then? Yeah, I was taping the charts. Yeah, standard. Yeah. yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I loved doing that. Just the, the anxiety. You try yeah. to get the bit with, with the DJs not speaking. And you put, yeah. Oh, God. oh, no, I've got Bruno Brooks again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is such a time. That is such a specific <laughs> thing, isn't it? Yeah. Taping the charts. Taping the charts. Any, any young listeners we have, they're just sat here going... I don't even know what they're on about. That is brilliant. <laughs> so, t- so what? What were the first? Who were the first sort of artists that you were listening to as a as a fourteen, fifteen year old then? Um, well, when I was very young, I was obsessed with the Beatles. I think I'd mm. borrowed my uncle Dave's records. He liked the Beach Boys, mm. and um, yeah, and and I was just obsessed. So I just listened to the Beatles and ABBA on repeat. So I think I must have got some ABBA tapes um for christmas and i got I, I got cats as well so i was very fond of musicals so i used to listen to the sound of music as well uh that was my favorite lp um, it's like we shared a childhood does any of this ring, <laughs> does then any of this ring because we had the abba it was a double or was it even a, a triple vinyl and it was like the greatest hits thing and um oh yeah that was played over i can see the cover it was a gray uh, a grey cover. Did, did you not experience any of this, Chris? Uh, my mum was um, Streisand all the way. She was a big Babs oh, fan. Um, she she used to play um, Marty Webb, Tell Me on a Sunday, all the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and my dad, my dad was into Dylan and Bread, and um, that was kind of his vibe, bit of Beatles, Beach Boys. But, um, but yeah, my mum was kind of the the divas and the um yeah that kind of thing that's hilarious that is absolutely hilarious <laughs> dylan dylan was far too cool for for my, well i think he was far too new for for my parents anyway there was no bob oh dylan. yeah yeah my, my, my parents don't don't know who bob dylan is either no glenn miller yeah. that's the, that was yeah that, that glenn miller and lonnie donegan Yes, and they like yeah, they liked Glenn Miller, and they had um uh oh, I've just forgotten uh, Buddy Holly. I loved yeah. Buddy Holly. You see, Chris and I bonded over Buddy Holly, and 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 um, 
Cliff Richard and the Shadows. So Hank Marvin was one yes. of like Chris's favorite mm. favorites. Yeah. What would you say then was your first concept? What would you say was your first gig, your first concept? Well, I wanted. To, I was obsessed with Madonna as a kid. Um, yeah, and I wanted to go and see her at, at Roundhead Park in Leeds and I wasn't allowed. My mates went and I didn't go. So I was like, oh. So my first, so, so and, and, and I, the, I mean, my first record that I ever bought was Into the Groove, but it stayed under my bed in the woods wrapping because my mum didn't want me to buy, she, she didn't approve of Madonna. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, and <laughs> so my mother thought, you know, it was disgusting that she she wore crucifixes and things. And, yeah. and <laughs> she just thought it was like, oh, my goodness, subverting, you know, the whole notion of Christianity and Catholicism and all that. <laughs> I think we share mums. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, I had a secret love affair with Madonna. What, what when you when she played Round Hay, oh, when would that have been? It was true remember, blue. It was true. Oh, the true blue. Oh, I went through. I went through a year of having dodgy terms to try and get me to look like the cover of True Blue. Didn't realise it was a shampoo and set that she had. I ended up looking like I spent a year looking like Deirdre Barlow. Because <laughs> <laughs> just went so wrong. That is that is brilliant. So 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 you didn't get to round table. I didn't get. So my first gig was Tori Amos when I finally got to university when I was 19. Oh, you have so got to be go. kidding me. You can't come on this podcast and say that Tori Amos <laughs> is your first gig. Get yeah. out. That yeah. is, that's unacceptable. I mean, I went that's to see local bands and st- I went to see local bands. Yeah. yeah. Sort of supported them. But it was, you know, there was a lot. Of, I, I, I knew I was interested in music, but it was a lot of people doing a lot of covers bands and stuff. So I used to sort of hang around on that scene. And, and, and is uh, that, was that sort of Halifax? Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, like around Keithley and Bradford and stuff. Keithley. Okay. <laughs> I did the Christmas <laughs> so lights I, at Keithley last oh, year. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was, that was a gig. That was. Um, would, uh, where did you go to university? Newcastle. Ah, right. Okay, so that's how you ended up in Newcastle. You went there for university. Yeah, I went to the College um, of Art there. It was amazing. right. Newcastle, such a great city. Such it a is, great it's city. Fantastic. Yeah, it, I feel really lucky to have, have gone there. Yeah. And where where did you see Tori Amos then? What venue was that? I saw her be? at the Riverside. Oh, lovely. So Riverside has a very, very special place in my heart, the Riverside. It's just, you know, like this. But she, she, I managed to get backstage. God knows how. I think I just went, I just, I just walked to the side of the stage and just like, you know, <laughs> adoring fan. And um, I had lyric books. I used to walk around with like lyric books because I was, thought I was a poet. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing and wrong with wrote, that. And she, and she wrote in my book, may your words be the tongues of, Fairies. Love to Which was so lovely. That's beautiful. She was lovely, but she was amazing. Just the way that she made piano sexy. Yeah. Well, what do you, yeah, tell me, what do you remember of that gig? Well, her humping the piano stool when she was playing. But just, <laughs> the, I mean. <laughs> it's an image that would stay with you, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I was like gobsmacked, really. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I was obsessed with her. I loved her voice and just, she was amazing. Yeah. I was right on the front row, you know. 
adoringly. I don't I don't think we speak enough of Tori Amos. She she was incredible. I saw her at the Apollo in Manchester. Um, oh wow. Uh, much later. Um and I say much later. 96. And she is incredible performer. She's one of those that's quite mesmerizing. Yeah. And you just cannot take your eyes off her. She could have no. uh, she could have a band of 50 on stage with her, but I would just be Friend on her, her. Entra- yeah. yeah, yeah, and so, so was was that it? Then you go to that gig and you're like, oh yes, this yeah. this is this is this what, is I, what want I want to do. do. <laughs> yeah, so which, which which gigs sort of quickly followed then? Well, I just used to lurk around the riverside like a bad smell. I ended up like you know befriending all the all the chefs in the Melbourne diner upstairs so I'd be sat upstairs <laughs> drinking the BREM having the butties you know having the burgers before they went on <laughs> Melbourne diner was insane it was just you know you just got to hang out with everybody it was nuts I mean I didn't disturb anybody I wouldn't have foisted myself on anybody or anything you know but you know when they, when they sat eating the in the eating the dinner you know no, I tell you you want to go and listen to Clint Boone's episode because he talks about meeting REM and it's one of the funniest stories I've ever heard it's an Is absolute it peach Is it backstage, it was of Glastonbury? <laughs> backstage at Glastonbury and anyway it, I, I won't spoil it for you but it's it's <laughs> worth it it's really worth listening it's very to funny it's very funny so before we carry on this is very important to Chris and I because we are slight geeks so we both share I mean not share but we both have scrapbooks with ticket stubs from oh. from over the year I know I know please please don't leave don't hang up oh no 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 I, no, I, I wish I did. So did you did you ever keep anything? Do you still no. have any sort of merchandise no. or memorabilia? I've moved out so many times. I've just lost stuff along the way. You know, mm-hmm. it's, threw it away. It's, it's just kind of a bane of my life, really. One of my biggest regrets is just not having any memorabilia as such. I, I believe that um, my dad, who is no longer with us, so he somehow got himself off the hook. I believe he threw away my scrapbook oh i know i know i know so um yeah i've still not been able to 100 confirm that but that is what we think my mother and i but did you as a as an artist then because we've we've spoken to people like martin carr um you know from boo radley's and rick from shed seven and Mm. especially martin he kept a lot of his laminates i did have a big box of laminates but they got lost Mm. Oh, it's a shame. Just it's a stuff, shame. Uh, yeah, real, seriously, it's like, it's like, it's, it's a massive regret that I, I just, no. Because you know what, Sarah, if you, if you still have them, you know, Chris here, he would have put them all on a spreadsheet for you. Yeah. He's, he's not even joking either. <laughs> You're that organised. Well, no, 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 no. So, I so you said you're that organised as opposed to you've got that much time on your hands. I yeah. That's really kind of you. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I love, like, categorising things, and you know. But oh, I just, God. Just People during lockdown, they made banana bread and they started to grow their own um, wheat and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> Growing their own wheat. <laughs> wheat. I'm just going to grow so, my own wheat. Please step so, forward, people have uh, grew so their awesome. own wheat. During yeah. Lockdown. So instead of, do, instead of doing that, I got all my tickets and I put them into a spreadsheet, but also I was able to put 
ones for which I didn't have tickets. So there are a few, and I, I really regret not, have, not having the tickets. Um, uh, and there's not many, but there's a few. I mean, I, I saw Evan Dando at uh, Nice and Sleazy's in Glasgow and saw James Brown and Dave Brubeck and all these kind of guys. Oh, and I don't yeah. have, uh, there's just a few of the, the ones that I don't have, but I, I was able to put them in the spreadsheet. And now I can search by venue and by month and by year. <laughs> and so by band nice. and I love this it's great it's great it didn't take too much time it probably took a couple of hours and it was <laughs> it, but it was oh it was, I love that this pleases me so much honestly I, I love this idea Alex Alex has like a hollowed out husk where his heart once was <laughs> because he doesn't see the joy and the <laughs> that went into this oh I do I love it. I love uh, it. I, 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 I love that. Yeah. So I, I actually want another lockdown so I can do it again. <laughs> do other people's. I might offer it as a service. I can I can picture one of my Dubstar tickets though, because it was it was like all the others, and I don't know if it was. Was it SJ? Were you were you ever under SJM? I think we might have been. I think most people were. It was either them or Metropolis, wasn't it? You had that. You you all pretty much had the same style of ticket, but just slightly different colours: violets, oranges. Do you know, as an artist, you never get to see, you never get to see your own tickets for shows. So when fans ask you to autograph them, it's always a really nice thing. Where you oh, that's the ticket. Oh, yeah. how nice. The pennies only just dropped. That's, that's something I've never that I that I don't think I've ever really gone. Oh, yeah. Of course you don't really see your own no. tickets, do you? No, it's really weird. How bizarre is that? <laughs> that, that that's that's amused me that has. Yes. Yeah, no, I can I can picture my uh dubstar ticket and it was a uh, I don't know if it would be called a pink or a purple, and it's got the large typeface across the middle, dubstar, and I believe it was um Cardiff Student Union. Or was it the terminal? I can't remember. Can you remember playing Cardiff? That must have been very early dub start. Yeah, I do. I do. I remember. I remember there being a big long room with like. I remember. I've. I've I have a really good memory for dressing rooms. Oh really? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where plug sockets are in dress certain dressing rooms. I think Cardiff was a really light dressing room, and I think it was like there was like a long row of tables arranged in a big square, in a big not square but oblong. That this is incredible. Oh, it's ridiculous. Just the ridiculous, the ridiculous things you remember. It's just like, I remember there was one in Portsmouth and I was like, oh yeah, the plug sockets were every other mirror. And it's ridiculous what you remember. I remember once in Munich, it, it was absolutely freezing and we were with client and they had like one of those big furnace things and they just turn it around and it's like a flamethrower just to keep the room warm because it was that cold. What's your favourite dressing room, Sarah? Oh no. Hang on, I'm just sort of rewinding and let it let it all come back to you which was your favorite dressing room this is a question we've never asked chris i think do you know what i think maybe just by association it was the very first time that we met depeche mode and when we supported them and i just remember them saying come into our dressing room and 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 i remember like they had um a juicer on the side and they had like you know and they they could all make their, their little juices in their dressing room and i remember i think i think dave had one on his own and Andy and uh, Martin had had like a, a, a lovely big dressing room, and they, and they were just like, "Come in, come and share our dressing room." We we're like, "Oh, 
I mean, how often do you, do you get asked by your, your, your main band to like, yeah. <laughs> come and use ours? Like, oh, okay. Have you got anything you need juicing? <laughs> yeah, I was making juices. I was like, can I juice anybody? <laughs> that is that is because it was a really good juicer as well it's a really expensive like it was um i think they call it a cold press juicer but anyway they had like the real deal it was like a 300 pound juicer. i mean would you expect anything less for depeche mode oh th- this is brilliant because i've, I've got notes down and um, just one bullet point I've got is just Depeche Mode. And y- you've mentioned it. So, sod it. I am going to ask you now. I just, because that was, um, that wasn't with Dubstar, was it? It was with Client. It was, and actually, no, it was, it was Technique. But we oh, formed technique. Client on that tour. Right. Okay. So. How was, how, with, what year would this have been? It was the Exciter Tour. It was 2002, the Exciter Tour. It was probably oh. the most exciting moment of my life, to be honest. How did you find out that you were going to be supporting them? Was it your manager who got the call? or what? Well, it, well, it happened because Dubstar had finished. So, it, and it was about nine months in and I was wondering what the hell I was going to do with my life, you know. And Chris was, I think Chris was working with Mark Owen at the time. Chris and I were flatmates as well at the time. So Chris was, he was, he was up with Mark Owen in the Lake District. What, take that, Mark Owen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working on some, a solo record. And I remember and I'd gone out for lunch with Andy Ross and I'd ended up getting drunk and in tears going, I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> and Andy, lovely Andy, was like, oh, my God, I've got to, you know. And the next day he went out for a, a meeting with our, old, uh, who he published the first two Dubstar albums, Mike Smith, at EM, who wasn't then at EMI. And I think Andy had just gone, I don't know what to do about Sarah, you know. And Mike had said, oh, I know somebody who needs a, needs a singer. Um there's a band called Technique who was a bit similar to Dubstar and it was Alan McGee's wife, Kate Holmes. And he said, she needs, a, she needs a singer. So I get this phone call. So I'm still recovering on the Monday night from my hangover from too much excessive drinking on the Sunday. And I get this call from Andy just going, I think I've got something for you. He said, do you fancy going on tour with Depeche Mode? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he says, well, well, here's Kate's number. Give her a ring and go and go meet her. So I met Kate at Troika Cafe in Primrose Hill. And, and we went uh, and we just sort of met and had coffee and stuff. And uh, the, a week later, I was in Warsaw. <laughs> that was quite the turnaround, wasn't it? It's probably it's probably about two weeks because we we did popcorn first, so we did so. But it was about a week later. We, I had like literally that week to learn the technique songs, and we did popcorn first. Where um, I was on the uh, my hotel, we stayed in this lovely little boutique hotel in Cologne, and it was really warm. And I had a little balcony in my room, and I and I and I remember just in it. Before I went to bed, I was just lying on this balcony and it was all warm and I was listening to the Inspiral Carpets. And, uh, and, yeah. and, 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 and then, I, you know, I'd gone to Popcom and it was like, with, you know, I'd, I'd done loads and loads of gigs before, but this was kind of a, a new people. So Alan was there and Kate, and there's all these bonkers people that they knew. And it was just like this whole new, there was Nick from, who did Life in a Northern Town, Dream Academy, went with him. And, uh, and, and you know, to, you know, ping pong bitches. So Emily used to go out with... Oh, wow. Um, Bobby Gillespie. So I, I went and got drunk with the ping pong bitches, ripped my skirt, you know, <laughs> turned up in the morning, <laughs> on false eyelash hanging off. Kate's like, oh my God. And Alan's like, hey, she's rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> 
fantastic. It was brilliant. I had such a fantastic night with the ping pong bitches. They were amazing, amazing. This was before the skipping days in soundcheck, wasn't it? Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we did popcorn and that was brilliant. We had a really good time. And then the week later, we were, we were in Warsaw. So Warsaw was 40,000 people. So uh, we were terrified. Wow, and, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't done a gig for about three years. And I just remember, like, you know, we, we were walking down the street in Warsaw and uh, you could sense the excitement in there because, you know, they hadn't played live there for about 15 years. So it was just, you could feel it humming in the air. And as you walk down the street, it was like, oh, there's a Dave lookalike. There's a Martin lookalike. There's another Dave. There's another Martin. Oh, there's an Andy, you know, and there's, there's an Alan Wilder. You know, and they, they just dress like them and they all wear black. And, and, you know, we just kept seeing these people that looked like Depeche Mode, and it was just... And I remember Andy said to us in, in the nice dressing room, Sarah, a couple of words of advice. If they, uh, if they throw coins at you, don't move. He says, it'll hurt, but it'll be, you know, it won't be too bad. But if they throw shit, run. I was like, what? Oh, my God, <laughs> really? What? <laughs> Wow. Said, what? said they actually take bags of their own feces to throw at the support band just for fun. I was like, oh, great. Oh, my God. You... <laughs> what am I let myself in for? <laughs> and then he went, on you go. Push me on stage. Have a great gig, girls. You get that kind of <laughs> advice where when you're given the advice or a warning and you it not crossed your mind at all and suddenly that's all you can think about I mean was that the same for you just that's all I can all I can think about is what's going to land on me can you imagine the disappointment when I went hello (sighs) (laughs) and they're all going do bash mode do bash mode hiya it's It's me from Halifax and then we got to Leipzig so Leipzig was 145,000 people. Hang on a second here. <laughs> Did you get hit by the shit? No, 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 we didn't. There you go. We were we were you. spared. They liked you, Sarah Blackwoods. They were really kind to us, I have to say. We got to we got to Leipzig, and you know how I was talking about you can't see the first two rows. Well, at Leipzig, it was 145,000 people. It was like there was a, a stadium with a bank and the people all at the bank, on the top of the bank. I mean, it was insane. And they're all going, Depeche Mode, Depeche Mode. And then there's one person on the front row and he had a little banner with Sarah. Oh, <laughs> oh that was brilliant. just gorgeous. It was just you got an old, gorgeous. You got a blooming indie kid on the barrier. One fan, one fan who'd, who'd actually sort of taken the time to realise that technique was Zan had left and and I jumped in at the last minute and 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 I was I was I'd been in Dubstar. And oh, that's one gorgeous! In the sea of 145 chanting Depeche Mode fans. So they said, um, "Do you want to come on the jet with us?" Well, what? The Depeche Mode private jet. Yes. Yeah, so, so we went on a private jet with them. I mean, it was a big plane. It was it was apparently Tony Blair's plane as well, um, and. Um, yeah, so, so so we land in Leipzig and there's like no passport control. You just get straight off. 
the plane and there's three cars waiting. So Dave has a limo and then there's the good van, the naughty van, uh, and then there's like a police car. <laughs> so the good van was for the non-smokers and the naughty van was for the smokers. Was, was for so you because- and Dave Garn. <laughs> no, Dave was in his limo at the front. So Dave, Dave gets, you know, yes, he, gets, he gets the limo. With his juicer. <laughs> and, 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 and we get in the naughty van because we're with Fletch and Fletch smokes. So, and I'm like, oh my God, my throat, because I can't, I'm intolerant to cigarette smoke. So I'm there with a scarf all around my head and just like, you know, trying to, you know, game. <laughs> I'm be- <laughs> joining in here, you know, but I'm like, oh, my throat, my voice, don't speak to me. Because I'm awful. Like before a gig, you know, I'm putting wet towels over radiators so to make the, the room moist. And I'm, you know, I don't speak on transport and stuff. So, because my voice is so vulnerable and fragile. Anyway, so we get, we, we're in the naughty van. There's a police car one end, police car the other end. There's police motorcycles. We're driving through Leipzig. It's a motorcade. The trams stop because Leipzig is a tram city and they stop right. the trams and it's, you know, people cheering. It was just like, my God, I feel like a queen. It was like insane, absolutely insane. You know, we pull up at the gig and it's just... It was nuts, absolutely nuts, just driving through the... You just cannot imagine, you know. I mean, that didn't happen every gig, obviously, but it, it, it was... <laughs> like, but, but for those... The, there were two big ones, and it was Hamburg and Leipzig. So that was oh. it. So we'd flown to Hamburg, and then we got on the jet with them to Leipzig, and Hamburg was about 100,000, and Leipzig was the big one. It was 145,000. What does 145,000 people sound like? It's a gig. just insane. It's absolutely insane. I mean, it's the biggest gig I've ever, ever played in my life. How did that feel? I mean, because is it just the most nervous you've ever been or was it actually the biggest high you've you've ever had? I think it was both, really. I mean, I mean, it was just crazy. You just couldn't believe it. You just couldn't believe that you were doing it, you know. And especially the Depeche Mode fans. I mean, I remember me and my, my, my boyfriend, he was like, oh, she, Depeche Mode. But later on, he said, oh, should we go and see them in, in, in London? And I was like, let's not go and see them in London. Let's go see them somewhere else. Yeah. So there were, me and, and there were four of us who went, my, my, one of my school friends as well and, and her husband. So we went to Munich to see them. And just seeing them in Munich was just like, wow. You know, mm. the atmosphere is just when, when they're doing behind the wheel and stuff and, and they turn the lights on the audience and they're all, well, your listeners won't be able to see, but they just, this sea of hands just, and it's just, oh, you just get the shivers. It's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. And there's just an atmosphere with Depeche Mode in sort of, you know, Europe um, and Russia as well, and, you know, Eastern Europe. They're literally huge, aren't they? It's 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 a religion, and it it really yeah. is. I mean, you, you, there are people that have met at Depeche Mode fan clubs and got married. I know two couples like that. There's probably more. There's Depeche Mode babies. I mean, I remember um, Depeche Mode babies. Well, they've had babies, and I remember. I, remember. I was like, were they conceived at the concert or born at the concert? <laughs> couples that have got married and had babies, and then passed on the music, as it were, like a you know, like the. Um, to, to their kids I, I remember somebody showing me oh we made this CD Depeche Mode for babies and I went do you mind if I take it you know can I have a copy so they gave me a copy of it because it was a record label Depeche Mode music for babies there's master and servant there done on little chimes I played it Martin and he just went I think that's the most disturbing thing I've ever heard just- oh my god I'd like to hear that version of Personal Jesus 
on, yeah. done on a little little on a xylophone. Xylophone, yeah. That's like when those music boxes are used in a horror film. Yes, it was really sinister. Absolutely. Wow, that's something else. I remember warming up. It was it, it was a really really lovely moment, and I was warming up and doing some woohoo, and I was you know as you do just talking because I don't really know what I'm doing. I just sort of tend to open my mouth and out comes the voice, you know, open my gob out it comes. And uh, so I was doing some little oohs and you know, and and Dave just put, poked his head around the dressing room door and he went, oh, oh, you're the angel. <laughs> He's just like, Hello, I just want to do Mr. the angel. Smooth. I was like, oh, Dave, oh, thank you so much. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so lovely but he did an hour of ashtanga yoga before he went on stage i mean that was when he was like really you know looking amazing in his in his suit you know and he went on in his waistcoat and his trousers and it was fantastic he's telling me how him and bono shared moves sometimes it's like, oh, my God. oh and i remember i remember this other time i was i was on the jet with them and i, I was reading the dirt by motley by motley crew oh yes yeah. and, and and dave saw it anyway oh. <laughs> Yeah, I've got some stories about them. I bet that's not in the book. And he did tell me a story, and no, it wasn't in the book. It's unrepeatable. I don't think it's unrepeatable. Would we have to consult our lawyers if we put it out? I think it's not suitable for human consumption, to be honest. Okay, okay, enough said. I think we can leave it to everyone's imaginations. So I was going to take you back to uh, Dubstar and how Dubstar started. And was it to do with the boys here in the recording of you on a cassette tape is that is that right uh i was kind of seeing this boy um and he he was in a band and i'd sort of done recordings back in kind of writing a bit together and um he then said oh my mate sold his record shop in italy um so he's funding my album i'm off to italy to be a pop star but i've given your cassette to this local dj I was like, oh, great. Thanks for that. Oh, wow. Bye. <laughs> but then, but then he, he, he came to see me in the art shop where I was working. And um, I started off and I, I was doing like three or four songs. And then they asked me to just, so it was Chris and Steve. So it's Chris, Chris Wilkins, Steve Hillier. And they ended up asking me to join the band. So that was the Jones. And we hadn't really done many gigs, to be honest. We'd only done, I'd only done about sort of six gigs that were like full gigs. Because as I say, I, I started my first sort of three gigs. I was just doing a handful of songs, like four. Yeah. I think I did four songs. I, I was like a special guest. And then it became apparent, well, well, to Chris and Steve anyway, that they wanted me to, to take on more vocal duties. So, And we'd only done about six songs. And we, were, we, we covered this song called Not So Manic Now by a band called Brick Supply. And they were um, a local band. And, you know, at, at the time, you know, people swap cassettes and it's just like, you know, you know, you support us and, you know, have a listen to our demo in case you want us to, to, to support them or come on tour with us or whatever. So it was, you know, there was a, there was a little scene going on in, in, in Newcastle at the time. And um, there were two people who managed them. In fact, I think they might have even given out the, 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 the cassette because I think the Brick Supply Boys, I think they were from, were from York or Leeds or something. I can't remember. Anyway, so it, I think it was actually um, their manager, Graham, and his friend John, who uh, gave us the demo and we decided to cover it because uh, we, we loved the song. And then they came to see us play live and they said, oh, 
we think you've got something here. Why don't you come and record some demos with, with us? So I think we recorded Stars and Manic. I think we did Anywhere as well. And then there was Jerusalem as well. And then he took it, they, they took it down to London to Food Records. And Food said that they were very interested. And so the next thing I knew, we were in a studio. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, I mean, to cut a long story short, you know, we, there was a lot of legal, you know, getting the contract and all yeah, that sort yeah, of stuff yeah. together. And then we were in like this, this huge studio. So I'd gone from being everybody's favourite backing singer in Newcastle. Um, I think I'd, I went like a couple of times in, in a studio with people to, and, and, and wanting to be in a band since I was, since I first heard the Beatles, which was probably when I was about five or six with me uncle Dave. And, um, you know, and I put on my Christmas wish list, you know, when I was about five that I wanted a record deal from EMI. So imagine when it happened, that is hilarious. <laughs> it was like, what, what on earth? I, was it Mark Ratcliffe who wrote a book called What Did I Do Right? But it did feel like that, like, what, what the hell did I do right there? Um, so the first gig that we did was in front of, like, it was probably the biggest audience. I think it was, like, Leeds University. And it was about a 1,000 oh, wow. students, I think. And it was just like, oh, my God. You know, what, what am I doing here? You know, so everybody used to go on about, you know, my frightened, frightened rabbit in the headlights thing. But it really was because I've gone from literally one man and his dog, you know, and a handful of gigs under my belt to like suddenly being this, you know, being on tour. And I had to get used to it. Very, That's very because of those songs, though, isn't it? That's because it just those those singles just bang, bang. And all of a sudden, Dubstar were around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Stars charted at, at 41st and I don't think anywhere. I think that was about 37 and then we released Manic and that went top 20 mm. and we re-released Stars again and then suddenly it was like, whoa, here we go. I think around about that time though, there was a lot of play on um, the evening session Yeah, and I think that, you know, even if the chart positions weren't, you know, right up there, there was a lot of people listening. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And um, yeah, and especially for you to kind of cut through all the Britpop stuff at that time, I thought was, you know, impressive. It felt like there was, it, there definitely was a, a need for a band like Dubstar. Yeah, I think that was te- testament to Andy, really, that that everybody was like thinking, what's he going to sign next, you know? But he'd signed Blur and then he signed Shampoo. Oh, yeah. So oh, I loved Shampoo. They were great they were so It was hilarious. They were hilarious. They were, yeah. I, I remember seeing them at a party and I'd be like, oh, look, Bjork's over there. And they'd be like, we're bored. How can you be bored? Bjork's in the corner. She'd be like, no, we're bored. Do you want a drink? <laughs> we'll just have an orange juice. <laughs> and they were, I don't know if you ever remember Willie, Willie Russell. And he had this play yes. called Our Day, Our Day Out. And there was Our Day Out, girls. of course. And bored. What is it? It's barring, bleeding barring. There's nothing here but sand and seagulls. <laughs> I'd forgotten it was him that had signed shampoo. Actually, if you'd have just given me that now as a pub quiz, I wouldn't have got that. Yeah, but shampoo always reminded me of the board girls. Yeah, blur, shampoo, and dubster. That's quite. No, I I I remember instantly loving stars, um, and not so manic now because it appeals to that that, that sort of Saint Etienne side. I loved. I loved that dance. Yeah, I, you know, I, I lost myself in all the guitars as well that were going on in, in those years. I think we had that, 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 that bit of both, though, 
because Chris yeah, was a, you I, did. I, I, I think Chris is kind of like one of the most underrated guitarists in the in the UK to be honest I mean you know you can sort of pick up anything he's, he's, I, I think Johnny Marr did, didn't influence him but when he found Johnny Marr he felt like there was somebody who played like him yes. so it gave him an awful lot of confidence to just continue and to explore in the manner that he did did you enjoy those early gigs? No, they were terrifying. I actually remember the first tour that we did, and when I got home, my trapezius muscles, I couldn't even touch them from tension. Really? And I, I as I say, I, I do get a very, I suffer really badly from nerves, and nerves manifest in themselves in my throat. So I've had... Ooh, wow. um, yeah, yeah. As so for I, a singer, I, before, that's, that, that's yeah, it's not, it's tricky. not good. And 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 the, the you know the the thing that you do is you know as, as soon as I wake up in the morning, I swallow, and it's like my first thought is, does it hurt? So did I overdo it last night? Did I, you know, how can I? It's, so you've just got all that stress from the minute that you wake up in the morning, and then it just piles on during the day. Oh my god, I've got to save myself for, for sound check. And then once your sound check's done, then you're relieved that it sounds all right, and. I start to just um, have to struggle to contain myself because I get so excited and I just want to get on stage then. And then, I, and then, and then when, when, it, when it's all over, then I used to drink too much because that was how I wound down because, you know, that first two sips of wine and I just instantly felt everything melting away and it was, that was in, literally intoxicating. Those nerves, was that a, was that a self-esteem thing or was that just how you've always been since, since a little one? I think I'm quite a sort of nervy, anxious person. Was there a time where you thought, hang on, I've got this? No. You can no. enjoy hearing me singing. Was there not? No, never, never. I still feel like that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I went to see um, a throat specialist during the pandemic because <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't even know <laughs> whether I had COVID or not because I was just like, how will I know? Because I have a sore throat every day. <laughs> so... You know, and when I finally did have get COVID, I just, I only felt marginally worse than I usually do. So, so that was quite um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I had the tubes up me up my nose and down my throat and stuff. And he said it's all right. He says, but you're inflamed. And he suggested you're a very tense person and you need to learn to relax. And I'm already doing yoga and you know, so I don't know what else I can sort of physically do to relax. Back then, I suppose even now, I suppose it's the same. When were you able to? Or were you even able to enjoy the the performance side of it? Because there there must be a, there's obviously a part of you that enjoys it because you wouldn't be a performer. But uh, also with that, you've you struggle with anxiety and nerves. When would you enjoy it? Back in the day, was it when you were sat having that glass of wine half an hour yeah, after the gig? Yeah, probably. Yeah, because when, when I'm on stage, I'm usually like like I said it, you know, with the church. Who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> You know, just look at you and it doesn't help but I, I remember going to another friend's wedding and uh, and her grass sat next to her grandma at the reception and she's like so what are you doing now and I went well I'm in a band oh really I went well I've been on top of the pops what you never that's so funny and that's what rock and roll machine by client was all about that was about my friend's grandma was Ivy. it yeah brilliant that's hilarious so Grandma Ivy, she's, yeah. got, she's got a song written you? out. On top of the pops? What were you doing never, on there, dancing? Never, never. Cameras, cleaning the stage. Were you... Chris, I think it's time. 
for the quick fire round. Are you ready for the So This is what we like to call the quick fire oh, round. Oh, blimey. All right, here we go. Um, Favourite live musician or vocalist? Oh, God, and Bennett. That's so mean. Let's just pray see all of our questions throughout this podcast. Chris and I understand, and we, we, we Pete Perfides is with us as well. Your answer to these questions could be different in five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour tomorrow. Absolutely. As would mine, as would mine. But right now, in this moment, as we speak to you, who is your favourite live musician or vocalist? It's a cruel question. I think it'd probably have to be Dave Garn just because I've seen him so many times because I got to, and I, and I just sort of that was just like amazing and, and it, for everything performance energy technical ability as it were. Yeah. Yeah, if you had a fantasy band, you know, you don't take Garn as, as, yeah. as your lead, wouldn't yeah. you? He, he is pretty cool. Have you ever seen Depeche Mode live, Chris? I've not. I've not. Although one of my favourite. Um... Uh, live tracks, recorded live tracks, is is a Depeche Mode tune. Walking in my shoes. Yeah, that's wonderful. They do that wonderfully live. Oh, it just builds halfway through with the the sense that it just gets darker and darker. Yeah. And I, it might. I, I get. A, I've got a funny feeling it was recorded in, in Eastern Europe, and um, yeah. and it just sounded amazing. And this, I remember them uh, saying when it was Leipzig. They were like, we're going to cancel the show because it's going to rain. And it's like, every time Martin threatens to do, um, is it Black Celebration? Every time Martin threatens to put that on the set list, we always get a storm and it's going to rain. <laughs> it didn't. I think, it, I, think it, I, think it, I think it might have rained for us. I think it might have rained on the stage for us, but then it cheered up again. I'll be honest, Depeche Mode in the rain would look great. Do you have a favourite venue? I think every venue that you get invited back to is nice because there's like a sense of familiarity there. And it's like, oh, the weather's back. Oh, it's lovely to be back there. But I, I have to say with, with Dubstar, I did like the Shepherd's Bush Empire. It's just it's just wow. nice. It, it's it's just, I like that it's all velvet and it's like nice yeah. seats and it's not too big. And it, so, so it's big, but it's intimate and it's just, yeah, that's, that's a lovely venue. This next question is a two-parter, really. So it's your favourite gig. So um, favourite gig as a player, as a performer, and favourite gig as a punter. I've got a funny feeling I know what your favourite gig as a performer was, but anyway, let's hear it from you. <laughs> uh, punter was Zoo TV in Glasgow, you too. So this is this right. is me and Chris with our um, unfashionable influences. Yes, um, yes, but yes. For me, that was an absolutely seminal gig. I got tickets at the last minute and it was just, I couldn't believe I was going. We drove up in my friend's white mini metro and, and it was a football stadium, I think. It, it, it was just the, just that, the, the, the playing with like, they, they, it was their show, but they'd kind of lost themselves in all this media and you didn't know who was the real U2. And they had like, a, like, a TV show going on on the side of the stage. And then there was like, if, if, if you went and, 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 and they had like those big heads and, and there were four figures walk, walk, huge out paper on stage. mache. You didn't heads. know whether, the, yeah. And you didn't know whether that was them or not. We were like, is, is, is that them? So it was like, spot you too. Yeah, it was just awesome. The whole thing it was just amazing. It was just like this, you know, and, 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 then, and then they had those moments where it was just so uncomfortable where they, they like live streamed into Sarajevo and it was just like, God, we're talking to somebody in a war zone. Yep. And it was just like, 
and then it went straight back to, but that's, I guess that's just this, it was a comment on the juxtaposition of the, the, the media and stuff, but my God, it was just, it was so powerful. And they ended up doing lo loads to raise awareness, I think, for, for, for like the people of Sarajevo, because I oh, think the massively. media got really, yeah, because they got really fatigued over the war and stuff. And yep. It just sort of reinvigorated people's outrage at it. You know? I absolutely stand by you two. And that includes, you know, Bono. They're, they're all up for, you know, I, I'm sorry. They are incredible. And no matter what he's turned into or what people think of him, he's done more for, um, you know, the AIDS crisis, for um, war zones and specific wars than, or you know, most other people. And that tour, I, I kid you not, just... Um, I've I've been working. I work behind the camera now um, in various places, but I'm I'm back at CBeebies as well. And if he's listening, and we have a new runner called Jacob, and he's a he's a young lad, and he's a bit of a jazz drummer. And um, so we've sort of been excitedly swapping, you know, old man to young man, you know, influences and things like that. And we got onto the live gig conversation. Um, and he said, "Oh, so you've seen hundreds and hundreds. What's your favourite?" gig ever and i said to him i think right at this moment and i think it would have to be no matter what day you ask me it is zoo tv tour yeah. and it, i saw it in cardiff and it was in the national stadium that's wow. now you know the millennium stadium and i just i, I think that changed stadium tours it did forever because yeah. there wasn't anything like it before no i don't think i'd ever even seen visuals either side of the stage and stuff like that before they no you, mean, you you should have a look at it chris it, it, it's just it was the greatest oh we and of course we had lou reed yeah the satellite of love thing like like was that a real feat because they did this duet together and it was like That's was that right. a pre-record or was it and, and it was all that oh. sort of juxtaposition of like what, what what's really happening right now and what's pre-recorded and you know oh it was just it was just clever on so many levels and then I love the fact that you know he, he brought out um Mephisto Mephisto whatever you know oh. the, 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 and and then the fly who was like the decadent rock star you know well that was the start amazing. wasn't it start that yeah. was the whole that was the start yeah. of the whole gig the i know it off thing. by heart that whole gig it was just ah, uh, what, what an amazing tour one amazing yeah. tour what yeah. was your favorite gig then as um as a performer oh that's really difficult i mean i always <laughs> say i mean off the top of my head i would say ready 96 just because it was such a moment i would i'd had a terrible day everything had gone wrong i was super nervous i'd had a fight with the security guard because he made me stick i was backstage anyway and he made me stick my sticky thing on my nice leather outfit that i am and i and, and once I, once i peeled it off i had the mark there forever you know Oh, anyway, I was like, you know, isn't it plainly obvious that I'm about to go on stage and you're making me, you know, stick me pass on me. But what was it about that gig then? Go on. Oh, well, it, it was just, it was just, it was wonderful. I mean, <laughs> we always have problems live because, you know, my, my throat or, you know, I don't think we're particularly confident as live performers. I certainly wasn't anyway. I can't speak for the rest of them. But um, yeah, so just being there and just having that horrendous, so I'd had a horrendous day, stressed, horrendous fight with the security guard. And then I just walked on stage and all these lovely people just waiting. And it was just like, wow, what are you lot all doing here? Because the tent was rammed. And I was just so shocked at just seeing everybody. And it was just beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And then to top it all off, Billy Bragg joined us on stage. I mean, that's kind of my de facto story, but I, th I think 
you know, a lot, a lot of my memories of being in client, I mean, apart from the Depeche Mode tour, which was like the most amazing thing that probably ever happened to me. Um, apart from that, we just used to do like spend the summers in Europe and it always seemed to be warm, like temperature is very important to me. I don't, <laughs> I don't sort of come alive until it's 23 degrees. It's probably why I'm garbling a bit today because it's been the hottest day of the year. So I'm like, woo! I've got some energy because normally I'm, I'm horribly affected by the weather and I normally spend most of my time wrapped up in a granny blanket I love that even though you know you know I'm terrible terrible I don't I don't deal with the cold very well you're mentioning Reading Festival there and a memory that I've got of seeing you guys live was um it might have even been the same year at Tea in the Park yeah that was cold I remember that was a yeah, and um, but we went to. We, I was there with my then girlfriend, and we went to see the the Beastie Boys because they were on at the same time as you. And, and <laughs> but we went to the Beastie Boys, and somebody was on somebody else's shoulders, and they fell off and landed on my girlfriend. And oh my God, was she all right? She was a bit shaken and a bit bruised, and we we're like, right, we need to go somewhere. Where are we going to go? Dubstar. So we went and we sat in Dubstar right at the back of the tent and it was the best decision we'd ever made. It was just like, oh, it's like this little, this little oasis of Dubstarness. And um, it was, it it was lovely, but it was perfect. It was exactly, I then got the album and um, yeah, it was, it was great. But yeah, you were, you were a little tranquil oasis. That's so nice. (laughs) That's just, that's just, that's just lovely to hear. I love that. Yeah. I think I'd actually been stuck in a, in, in, a, in a lift in the hotel with Keanu Reeves because he was there with Dogstar. He was, So what yeah. did I say? Oh, your band's Dogstar. My band's Dogstar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. That's great. Oh, it was that year because we've, we've, we spoke to Mandarin from BIS and, oh, and they've, did they go on before or after Keanu? Oh, yes. So we've talked about this on the pod before. Everyone was calling them dog shit. Sorry, Aww. sorry, but that's oh, just. Keanu. I know, but I think I think they were. I th- I thought they were okay. I thought they were okay, and he's. We were, we were brutal, weren't we? In the nineties, we were so horrible. They weren't. They weren't okay. Were they not okay? They weren't. No, they weren't. Oh. And I love Keanu. Oh God, he's best it. mate. Yeah. But, um, what a gentle man he is as well. He's just he is, lovely, isn't he? Lovely human being. Yeah. Would, would, yeah. What what was his? Can you remember his response to you? I, can't, I think you... mercy. I think mercifully, the lift managed to get going. <laughs> That's so funny. That's oh so dear funny. God! Things like, things not to say, say to Keanu Reeves. Yeah, we kind of went in silence. It's like we're we're like stuck in this lift, just like trying not to look at each other, and I'm just like looking at my shoes and looking anywhere but him. If you'd been in the lift and then you hadn't said anything, then an hour later you would have said. Why didn't I have to tell him that we were Dubstar and he's Dogstar? Yeah. So absolutely. you did the right thing. You did absolutely, absolutely the right thing. <laughs> Only two letters separate us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this is a quick fire round. Do you remember that? Um, oh, yeah. 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 We love a quick fire. <laughs> I think we might have to make the rest of the, the interview quick fire, to be honest. Cause we're... I know. It's, I know. Gordon Bennett. No, we're loving this. Loving this. What. Let's just flip that then. What's your worst gig? Well, like I say, I'm weather weather sensitive. So it's probably like one of the Glastonbury's that were muddy. If, if it's damp and cold, I mean, I think 
there, there was a year when there was me and Joe Strummer and we were on the enemy news because we both won wellies on stage because I, I just couldn't be, I just felt so uncomfortable and so horrendous. Mm. And, uh, you were born yeah, and brought up in Halifax, Sarah. I know, I know. I am an absolute lightweight when it comes to weather. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. I'm an excuse of a northerner. And I think I started all that trend of people having the photos taken on the toilet at Glastonbury as well in an anorak because I, I, I did that. That was, I'm owning that, girls. Everybody's <laughs> probably somebody's done it like, you know, years before, but I was like, oh, yes, let's have our loop. If I'm not mistaken, that was in enemy, wasn't it? It was, yes. I had, I had my, my, my cheap anorak on. I think it's from the Arndale in Manchester. I the hood up, looking really miserable. And that's exactly how I felt. So I'm guessing then that you, because this is one of our, our next questions, was I'm guessing that you like festivals when the weather's good and you yes. hate festivals when the weather's bad. Yes. Yeah. If the weather's way. good, I can cope with anything. I can cope with a bad hair day. I can cope with like no makeup. You know, but bad, no, forget it. I'm just yeah. a nightmare. I just sit in a That's corner so and wrap myself up in a blanket and whinge. <laughs> and it's usually, you know, it's, it's, it's only like two months of it. It's only when the temperature gets to like slightly over 22 degrees that I start to feel remotely normal. So <laughs> I don't actually think I'm made for this country. But, you know, it's, it's like, you know, doing, doing all, all, the, all, the, all the Spanish festivals with, with client. You know, we did Benny Cassin, we did Sonar. And that, that was wonderful. And I just remember like Eastern Europe, you know, going to, you know, Exit Festival, Croatia. And I've just got amazing memories of just wandering around and like dusty, you know, it was all dusty underneath because it was hot and just the sort of the music in the difference. Benny Kasim is a festival that I really want to go to that I've not. Oh, it's awesome. I, I saw Goldfrapp there and she was fabulous. Got off stage oh. and went, right, I'm off to see Goldfrapp. <laughs> just <laughs> legged it to the other tent. Oh, right. she is fantastic, Alison. Yeah, she is. She's... Well, you, you, because you just love your festivals, <laughs> where I, I, I'm going to scrap, because of time, I'm going to scrap other questions. And, and we're going to get you down to your fantasy festival because this is uh, going to be uh, very interesting. So, Sarah Blackwood, you have your own festival. Right. And clearly it's not going to be in Britain because you want to guarantee the weather. Oh, it's got to be warm. Yeah, it's got to be somewhere warm. Uh, Tenerife. Oh, yeah, that sounds... That, that's, oh, oh ten, Tenerife. Tenerife. That'd be good. Benidorm. Then, yeah, one of the, one of those places. I once did fun in the sun with Mr. Motivator on uh, on Good Morning TV. You know, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that that's was hilarious. Terrible. Anyway, Dream Festival. Yeah, everybody's batteries that's... are running low and stuff. You've got five slots at your festival. You've got your opener. Right. Well, there's a little Birmingham band called, called Independent Country, and they do the most fascinating arrangements of your favourite. Well, it's not just Britpop, actually. I was going to say, because they do an amazing rock, rock and roll star. They do William, It Was Really Nothing. They do a Jesus Jones cover. They do, oh, they're amazing. It's, and, 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 and it's like, you spend like the first sort of 30 seconds guessing, guessing what song it is, because you won't guess it. You will not guess it. And, and, they, and they do it in like this country and Western style, and they are just so brilliant. They're just great. So that's... Great so, oh, that's so that's a good opener. Yeah. So they're going to open, and everyone's going to have that nostalgic, nostalgic sort of dance and sing along. I like that. You've just opened with independent country. Everyone's having a bit of nostalgic fun, singing, dancing, 
Chris is probably on his second can of red stripe. And <laughs> we, we're going into sort of, you know, the afternoon now. Who is next on? I like a bit of poetry and I like John Cooper Clark. Yes. Oh, get him. I saw him. I saw him at festival number six and he was amazing. Oh, yeah. He, he was just prowling around the stage and his delivery is awesome. His poems are witty. He's, uh, yeah, he's just amazing. And he's mm. such an icon. He's just fantastic. Yeah, it's still doing it as well. I, I, I noticed today that he's playing at um, Morecambe, is it Morecambe Literature Festival? Yeah. Is it Poetry Festival? Um, yeah, knockout. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Yeah, he? yeah. And I just love his delivery and the way he sort of chews it in his nose, like, you know, it's just so brilliant. It spits it out, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, that's and, it. That's yeah, exactly what it's he just, does. It's, it's just, yeah, I could, I could, I really enjoyed him at festival number six. This, I'm, I'm really enjoying this festival. <laughs> this is a lot of fun so far. I well, like wait this. till you hear who I'm having to DJ. Go on. Oh, well, we now is the time. Am I, Alan pa- am, I, am I allowed Alan Partridge? <laughs> yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> Live from North Norfolk Digital. <laughs> Definitely. That'd be brilliant. So you'd be rocking the Phil Collins, a bit of... Um, bit of Hadley Toy. Hadley Toy Rochford, of course. And yeah. of course, Music for he- chameleons. Get him to do his air bass. He would also play you too, wouldn't he? He play you he too. Would, and he play, would play you too. He play Sunday, bloody Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! I love that. Sums up how I feel about Sundays. <laughs> I I actually went to see him on Friday night. Oh, I saw that as well. I got a late call. I got a late call uh, from a friend of mine after work and said, "Get yourself into town." I've got a ticket for the Alan Partridge show at the arena in Manchester. And it was oh, very amazing. amazing. Very amusing. Wow, this is this is unexpected. So we've 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 had a country band open <laughs> with essentially Britpop and sort of you know a bit of indie rock covers. We've then had John Cooper Clark and then Alan Partridge has has just DJed this. <laughs> This this might be the best one ever, Chris. It's, it's looking like it. <laughs> so who is the penultimate, or I suppose the warm-up for the headliner? Yeah, the support. Yeah, who's going to get us going before before your headliner? And I'll be honest now, Chris, I have no clue about who these next two acts no. are going to be. No. no. Not a clue. Interesting. Come on then, who is it? Janice Joplin, Big Brother and the Holding Company. I just, Wowzers. I love Janice, and I love, I love that she, she always felt like she wasn't a proper singer, yeah. and she was mm. always like, Tina Turner's a proper singer, I'm not a proper singer, and and I used, and I used to do Mercedes Benz on stage, and once we did it, we were doing this tour in the Czech Republic, and I think it, I think, actually, I think it was Prague, and I remember it was this dusty old ballroom. And and I swear I felt little icy fingers just on my shoulders when I sang it. I love oh. that. I, that the juxtaposition though. I'm I'm struggling with that juxtaposition. <laughs> you, you're gonna have to give us at least an hour at the bar <laughs> to get over Alan Partridge before we then <laughs> and then Janice prepare ourselves for Janice with a, feather, with a feather boa. 
yeah. bottle of Jack Daniels and she's cackling away. And then she goes and sings Peace of My Heart and it'll be like, whoa, God. And then somebody has to follow that. Yeah, well, that would be Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Blackwood, I'd like to declare now that I love you. <laughs> I've never seen Madonna. I still haven't managed oh, to you see not? her. Well, would no. you want her to do a greatest hits or would you want her to do the yes. full True Blue album? Oh, that's a really good question. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I don't really care. I just, just want to mm-hmm. see her. Yeah, I, I saw her at the arena um, in Manchester and, yeah, she was pretty incredible. I think she was also she was doing a little bit the, the the stuff that was on the screens behind her, she was getting kind of political. And when Madge does political, she doesn't do it quite as well as Bono does political mm. in live performance. So there was a lot of Che Guevara. Yeah. I think she might have been dressed <laughs> as Che Guevara at one point. Um, oh, there was a bit. <laughs> but she, she was knockout. She was How knockout. did you see her, Chris? Were you shooting her? No, I told you. I've got a, 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 my mate at MEN. He... Because of these big shows with massive ticket prices, we'd, we'd get a call that day and saying, there's a load of tickets that haven't been sold. Can't give them away. Do you want tickets? No so, way. So I tell you, I saw Madonna. I saw Bob Dylan. I saw Bruce Springsteen. I saw George Michael. I looked oh. eight, eight years ago today, I saw Prince. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because they were papering it. Because and But, Alex, you said that when you worked at Cardiff Arena. Well, it was the stadium. The stadium. That was it. Wow. Where the tickets were like 150 quid. And then Mm. by you'd you'd get to just before the end, the the start of the gig, and you had sections that hadn't sold because it's 150 quid a ticket. Is that because people are not buying it because they're not going to pay 250 quid for a ticket? Yeah. Yeah, but my my surprise is that's that's not a surprise to me at the Millennium Stadium, for example. Mm. So I knew that would happen because it was 2004 or five, the Rolling Stones, and they were sort of the first band to really bump up the prices mm. and it was massive and it was 150 pounds oh, then. then and i know it doesn't seem long ago but back in 2004 or five and mm. we just remember thinking they are going to sell out this amount of tickets because they've got such a hardcore following but then up in the gods they're going to struggle mm. and even the gods tickets were sort of 90 quid back then and yeah we had loads but what surprises me is in manchester arena where at a push with a with a, a concert audience, what was it seventeen thousand? Yeah, was I it? think I think the reason was I that I think there were corporate sold out for Madonna. They tended to be in the same kind of areas that we'd be sitting, so they were kind of corporate seats that maybe got returned late, um, and then they couldn't. Uh, oh, wow! But yeah, so that was that was quite nice. Wow! I'd want to see now Madonna just do a purely greatest hit set because she's yeah. so. She's like a like nailing a jelly to a wall, isn't she? At the moment, she's so bonkers. You you wouldn't know what you're going to get. So I'd, for me personally, it would have to be greatest hits. But from the start right through to 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 now, because she's yeah. still got you know like music and uh, and all that. That were belt in songs, great oh, songs. Absolutely. I would prefer the um, Dick Tracy original soundtrack. Oh, <laughs> I love that. So and then much. I'm there. <laughs> She was my oh. she was my first proper crush. Madonna. Was she? Yeah, yeah. I went to see the, the the rubbish film. Who's that girl? Who's that girl? Yeah, I bought that soundtrack. Yeah, mm. I saw. I because that is a great song as well. Mm. Yeah, love that. Yeah, but yeah, that that film. I mean, it was a terrible film. But 
I saw that in the cinema as a hormonal young boy. Where's this? And I mean, desperately seeking Susan just when she holds her armpits under that 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 hand dryer. Just <laughs> it's so awesome. One moment. It's brilliant. Wow. That film. That used to be on like every Christmas, yeah. didn't it? Desperately seeking Susan. It's such a ITV. great film. It's just amazing. Brilliant. What? What a festival. <laughs> Chris, I'd be well up for that. I'd be well up for that. We're going to Tenerife. Yeah. And and we're going to go and see Independent Country, followed by John Cooper Clark, Alan Partridge, <laughs> Janice Joplin, and Madonna. I, don't, I know what it's going to be called as well. Black Woodstock. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's so, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Blackwood Stark. Look, let's just end it there. Quick, end it there. It'll just get worse from here. It'll just look at this little, little face. <laughs> right, we're gonna. We kept you for long enough, Sarah. Thank you so much for this. We've got one last question that we ask all our guests, and it's about a live album or a live track or a maybe a piece of footage of a live performance that's on YouTube or something. What what is the one piece of live music that you would go to to either get you ready to go or to chill you out or what's your go-to? I had it on cassette and I lost it. Somebody oh. made me a mixtape when I was at college and yeah, I lost it. I lost the cassette, which devastates me. And, because, and I've looked on YouTube wow. and I cannot find the same performance because she goes mental. And she just goes, oh, you're no. just a fucking liar. And it's like the way she goes, liar, you just get chills yeah. through you. And it's like, oh, my God, she means this. My God. And it's just, it's the most incredible. And, and I've looked and I've found other ones, but it, it's not the same one. It's it's just not the same one. And, and so if anybody can enlighten me where this particular bit of footage was, I mean, it was on a cassette from, it must have been about 1991 when I was at uh, uni and um, so it must have been sort of pre that. So it's, so it's quite early and uh, yeah, I mean, she, cause she's incredible. I mean, she's just like this big walking heart, you know, and you just, I just feel for her so much. And I think she's amazing. Yeah, she's this incredibly empathetic woman who just has so much, she's just able to like vocalize sadness and frustration and hope for so many people and I just love her voice from you know when I first saw Mandinka on Pops I think she's amazing I love Sinead and I love that she wears her heart on her sleeve and it's just all mm. out there and sometimes you just want to put your arms around her and just give her a big hug and just you know well mm. I hope someone is doing that I hope she's in, in, she's in good hands at the moment yeah, yeah she has do you know what Chris we are going to try our very best to find that we're going to put it out there and I'm going to contact a couple of people. I think hmm, who might know who might have it. And let's see if we can find that. Um, yeah. We're going to go through this whole episode and we're, we're going to, um, we're going to put up a load of videos and we'll do a playlist for this episode as well. So there'll be some, oh, nice. um, yeah, there's going to be, we'll go to town, Sarah. We're going to go to town. on this. Oh yes. <laughs> that, that will be available as you're listening to this right now on the website. So head to the website. Are you going to put any dog star on there? Yes, we're, we're definitely going to put dog star on there. I mean, because you're dub star. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, 
I'm cringing for you. I'm really? Yes. cringing on Mike for you. Yes. Sarah, <laughs> thank you so, so much for your time. It's been oh, our thank absolute you. privilege. What what a wonderful chat. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. And then um, Chris and I, we're going to come and meet you and find out that Motley Crue story. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Sarah Blackwood there. Gorgeous. What what a laugh, eh? Yeah. What a, <laughs> what a, she's got a wicked sense of humour. Oh, and absolutely. I wanted to save it to now. It was so sad. We mentioned it on our social media. It was great to speak to Sarah and hear all about her Depeche Mode stories. And then, of course, this past week, we lose, really, the man himself. And, and everyone, uh, everyone thinks of Dave Garn instantly, don't they, with Depeche Mode. And... That's understandable. But Fletch, to his mates, I believe, rest in peace. And uh, I've had personal Jesus on repeat this week because it's just, that is, I think that's in my top 10 greatest songs of all time, I would say. Mm. Well, I've been listening to um, Walking in My Shoes. I know I mentioned it in the the episode, but I, I did find the version that I had. And I think the version that I had was on a, uh, a free tape maybe from NME or Select I can't remember it was around about 94 from the 93 tour and um, right, okay. it's an absolute cracker um, but yeah and it was lovely that actually Sarah mentioned Andy personally um, about the fact that he was advising her to not move for the coins but move for the for the shit it was so <laughs> I love that I love that he gave yeah. her that warning. Yeah. Um, Wise words there. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah. But he, you know, he was, he, he was the founding member. Mm. Uh, I, if I remember rightly. So yeah. Andy Fletcher, loads of love to you and your family and loads of love to Sarah Blackwood. It was a great chat and yeah, please do check out their album and keep your eyes open for any upcoming live dates. Because it would be it would be ace to go and to go and see Dubstar live again. Absolutely. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. As always, we really appreciate your support and your and time. your patience. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and your patience. And your as you patience. can tell, we we're um yeah we're approaching a busy time um in terms of our work, and so um what we're going to do is we're probably going to get another couple of episodes out. We still got the interviews to do, and it um. Basically, once we do them, these episodes are going to be absolute perlers, <laughs> going to be absolute belters. Mm. Um, and then once once those pairs of that, that pair of episodes go out, we'll probably take a little break, um, yes. and then we will come back and um, have some more for you. But we'll come um, back with a shebang. Yeah, we'll be back firing on all cylinders. Um, <laughs> Um, insert your own comma <laughs> yeah we will be uh, yeah so we'll hopefully have a new episode for you very shortly it will probably Absolutely. be in about a couple of weeks but yeah just follow us on uh, Instagram and on Twitter um, and Facebook. Facebook Gig Stories Podcast yeah or Gig Stories Pod yeah and yeah look out for the announcement because we are very excited 
very, very excited about these two. So say no more, say no more. Anyway, Chris has got a leg in now because he's got to go and put his Scotland top on and and watch some football. I don't know why. I'm not interested in football. So I'll I'll leave you to your soccer, Chris. (laughs) My soccer ball. (laughs) soccer ball. ball. Up the Scotch land. Yeah, against... Ukraine, it feels really bad cheering oh. on Scotland against Ukraine. Good luck! Oh, God, <laughs> feels. Are we the baddies here? Are we yes. the baddies? Yeah. I think Scotland yes. is Come actually on, Scotland. the baddies. <laughs> love it and and please again just to repeat you can find us on facebook twitter instagram gig stories pod come and say hello to us and keep your eye out for those announcements and we will be back very soon oh hi the scotland boys matey <laughs> see you next time <laughs>